Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, here we go. I've hit the button. There's no stopping now. We have to move <laughs> forward, but I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, what a way to end a week. Whenever you're listening to this, pretend like it's Friday because it's about to be Friday in your ears. We're going to have just an amazing speaker. I can't wait to introduce you to him. He's, he's just a powerhouse. Well, who is he, Casey? Who is this guy? Serial entrepreneur, world-renowned brand strategist, thought leader, author, speaker, author of Branding Like the Big Boys. We're going to get into that. Co-creator of the Brand Navigator System, co-founder of Toma Toma, Martin Toma. Welcome to the show, sir. Great. Thanks, Casey. Happy to be here with you. Man, this is so good. I, you know, brand is one of those things. It's so, it's so in the sky. And sometimes people just think it's one thing and it's not the other thing. But we are here today to smash myths. So I'm going to hand you this thing. It's heavy, but I know you work out. So here you go. Ready? <laughs> got, oh, my. Okay. That Can you grab heavy. that? Can I got you grab it. that? I got there it, Casey. Grab okay. it. There you yeah. go. Uh, uh, all right. Okay. All right. Break That's it. Thor's hammer, all right? Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. All right, let's go. Boom. All right, Casey, look, here's the, here's the thing about branding. Branding is not a marketing communications activity, okay? Branding is a leadership discipline. So there's a lot of misconceptions about what branding is when done well, when done right, when done thoroughly, done correctly. And all kinds of misconceptions around that, that it's a name, that it's a logo, that it's design standards, that it's an ad campaign or a brand campaign. All of these things are elements of a comprehensive brand leadership program, but they are not branding. So I'd be excited to talk to you about branding as a leadership discipline and the notion of living your brand, which is really our mantra here at Toma Toma. And it's our philosophy that the way to do this right, the way to do it well, the way to succeed with it, and the way to transform your organization using this principle, this method of discipline of brand leadership development is, uh, is treating it in that way as a, as a leadership principle and not as a marketing activity. Man, so powerful. Okay, right now you have like shattered some poor marketers' minds, myself probably included. So we're saying branding doesn't, it, do, it doesn't, it's not in my marketing ecosystem. It's in this leadership. I mean, tell me more about that. Why, why did we think this was just a marketing thing? Where does this come from, this myth? Yeah, well, I, I suppose it starts with the fact that, uh, the, you know, the CMO or the marketing organization is often, um, is often put in charge of developing the brand. And, and indeed, marketers have a, uh, you know, they, they have a very um, important role in shaping and building the brand of an organization. But I think the, the fallacy or the mistake that organizations can make, this may be more, uh, this may be more an issue with small and middle market companies than sure. and really big companies that have, um, you know, a lot of marketing MBAs and a lot of sophistication in their the marketing four organizations. Yeah, exactly. right. Four Ps. Yeah. So, um, you know, this, uh, you know, the, the, this notion that it's a, it's a name or a logo and that's, you know, that's branding, um, 
it's just misplaced. The, the fact is that the best branded organizations uh, use their brand to inform everything that they do. The brand is really an expression of their, of their DNA, of their very essence. And so if we're going to develop brands and do it most successfully, we really should come at it from that point of view, right? Got it. Got it. Not, not from a single department. It's not, you know, making things pretty. This, this sounds like this comes straight from the top. This, yeah. If this is a leadership thing, does that mean this is the CEO's territory? Yeah. Um, you know, Casey, I've got a chapter in my book that, that is about the, the role of a CEO in stewarding the brand and, and our philosophy in the chapter really speaks to that. At the end of the day, the CEO is the, is the steward of the brand and, um, uh, and, and is, is really responsible, uh, accountable, is, uh, is the owner of that. You know, there's plenty of people that are responsible for, for executing and making things come to life and, and making things work. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, the CEO owns the brand, represents the band, is really the, is really the, the flag carrier for that brand. Um, uh, David uh, D'Alessandro, uh, who was the uh, CEO of John Hancock, wrote a book called Brand Warfare, in which he, uh, as the CEO, he's, he's one of the first Fortune 500 CEOs that came up through the marketing ranks, right? Nice. <laughs> Most of the CEOs come up through the finance ranks. Finance uh, ranks, Maybe right, sales. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he made a very strong argument for the role of the CEO as the ultimate steward and the ultimate arbiter of the brand. Got it. Does that mean they need to create it or they just own it? That's a good question. You know, the, the, the best brand strategies are not the, are, are not the, the uh, brainchild of any one individual, but they're, uh, they're the result of a, of a disciplined methodology. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit about our approach there. You know, there are, there are many, uh, you know, smart theorists and practitioners of, of brand development. So I'm not going to pretend that this is the only way to go about it, but. Um, True, but this the, is uh, the hardcore marketing show and what we say is gospel, right? So, so I get to, so I get to preach. So you do. Thank you, for, you thank you for inviting me on so I can share my sermon with the, with the world and evangelize a little bit about brand Reverend leadership. Reverend Toma, you have the floor. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah. So is this the, uh, you know, is this the, is this the domain of a single individual? Look, in some cases, uh, yeah, it kind of is, you know, Steve Jobs and Apple might be a, might be a famous example. Here's the, here's the founder of a company that, you know, the, the mad genius who created the company, the, the brilliant, the brilliant marketer and leader who, um, who shaped the, the development of that organization of its products and so forth. And, and you could really say that, that Steve, Steve Jobs was the author of the Apple brand. Um, uh, you know, is he the only one that created it? No, heck no. The, you know, tribes of marketing people, salespeople, you know, um, uh, Shiat Day and other ad agencies have helped them, you know, execute on that, on that vision and, and bring it to life and give voice to it. Right. We're all, all had their fingerprints on it and helped shape it. But in terms of your, your question was who created it? Uh, so there's an example, uh, but I would say that's a rare example. Mm -hmm. More commonly and in practice, what you're going to find is that it's built by it's it's built by an executive team in concert with uh, marketing experts and communication experts and, and brand experts. And our practice really follows this uh, this trajectory. First of all, um, uh, the, this this brain trust within the organization really doing some some heavy duty workshopping together, 
uh, brainstorming, envisioning uh, this first creation of what makes our organization unique. What are the what are the brand attributes, and what's the DNA? That is followed um, by you know I guess coming out of that workshop, if you will, is a is a is a system of of hypotheses. Well, we think this is what makes us most unique and desirable to do business with. Um, we test that against the market. So now, now follows market research. Okay, is it true? Is it supportable? Is it resonant and relevant to our customers, our target audience? It needs to be both of those. It needs to be, it needs to be a differentiator and it needs to be true, relevant, resonant. And at the intersection of that, what we'll say the inside view and the, and the outside view, at the intersection of that, we're going to find some attributes that, um, that are brandable, that are brand, that are brand attributes, that are the, the, that are the DNA. And then subsequent to that, Casey, you know, it's got to be codified and, and clarified, crystallized and communicated. So this, you know, this, this final uh, episode, this final chapter in the brand development journey and I'm kind of just, you mentioned the brand navigator. I'm really describing for you the steps in our proprietary process that we've, we've uh, uh, named the brand navigator that will it. get you to a brand strategy and a brand architecture. So, so the third phase of that then is, is synthesizing these ideas that are the, the, the inside out and the outside in and those points of nexus or connection between what our own executive team, what our own institutional knowledge says is, is special and what our market research says matters to our customer base and our prospective customer base, then we're going to synthesize those together into a system of our, our tools or brand leadership frames. Again, you're going to look at a number of different brand theorists. We're not the only ones. And you'll see that almost all of them, if not all of them, have some sort of a a framework or a structure that we're going to try to fit into. You know, Patrick Hanlon, who uh, wrote uh, Primal Branding and runs a very successful uh, brand firm called Thinktopia. Maybe you've had him on your show. Nope, uh, uh, he'll be a good target for you. But he, he has a system that, uh, that, that he's built that is, uh, you know, it's not the same, but there are some similar. Not as good as your system. We, you heard good, it here. Not as good. That was good, but um, but he's a smart guy too. So um, so really, right. at the end of the day, right? We've got to have a we've got to have a a, a structure a framework because structure. we have to have yeah. a framework because now we're going to have uh a, we're going to have a plan. You know, basically, a brand plan or brand strategy we have to execute against. So everybody's got to know what the what the core is <laughs> in order to execute against it. Got it. Structure. So, no, so kind of back to your question: Does the CEO create this? In rare, in, in rare circumstances, you know, maybe in those circumstances when the company is, uh, is the complete expression of the genius of one single founder, yes. But in most instances, no. This is something that is built by a team. And, and we got, you know, we've, we've got, you know, two heads are better than one, three heads are better than two. We've got a lot of, you know, thoughtful, smart, uh, you know, innovative people that are really putting right. their, their minds against this and their shoulders in order to, to develop something that is going to be actionable and is going to right. be executable. Yeah. And bouncing it off the market. So we're not just in a bubble thinking that we're, we're all that and maybe we yeah. aren't and, yeah. and kind yeah. of bounce that. But, but yeah. you helping yeah. answer that or you answering that really helps me out because I think sometimes the, the challenge at the, the, the higher levels is 
God, I don't even know how to do this. Right. I'm supposed to, but you know, it's a, Hey, you own it at that, that highest level. That's right. Lead your team and bring in the experts, bring in Toma, bring in you read some That's books, right. like bring in yeah. the experts, do the work, but yeah. you don't have to be the one answering. Right. So you just right. own the result and then bring in you know, who, not how. Yeah. 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 For, yeah. for sure. You know, the CEO's role is to say, um, we need to have a crystalline, differentiated, compelling brand position because we recognize that a brand is an asset and it's going to, uh, I call it move markets. You know, a good brand drives revenue, drives customers, it drives, uh, it drives talent. You know, a good brand drives all kinds of uh, favorable outcomes in an organization that all CEOs want for their organizations. Yeah. You know, they want to acquire and retain the best talent. You know, the best companies have the best talent. Companies with the best talent win. Yeah. You know, it's pretty damn simple. Um, they want to get more customers. They want to get an outsized share of the customers. They want to steal share from their competitors. They want to win in the marketplace. Brands help them do that. It's been proven. It's, you know, we all know it intuitively. We can look around and see. Right. We can see it at work. You know, it looks easy, but it's, but it's not. You know, right. for those companies that are really good at it, they make it look easy because they're doing it well. They're doing it right. You know, and we, you know, we want to we want to drive more profits to the bottom line. Well, we can do that. We can do that with a with a with a strong brand. So yeah, the CEO is really the the owner of the accountability, and is going to be the driver. And at some point, a brand becomes, well, a brand is about what, what you are and what you're not. A brand is, what you say, is about what you say no to as much as what you say yes to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, great, there's a great story told about Herb Kelleher, uh, you know, the founder and CEO of Southwest Airlines. In the early years of uh, Southwest Airlines, the, uh, the executives were in a room and they were finding that they were getting the, getting the crap beat out of them by their customers. They were pissed off that all uh, Southwest would feed them on the flights was peanuts. So this was in the early days of discount airlines and mm -hmm. people who flew were used to getting, you know, meals or like good, good food, not right. just peanuts, like, you know, like chimpanzees. Right. <laughs> and their customers were complaining. And so here they are in the, in the, uh, in the executive suite. And the executives are reporting this to, to Keller. And they're like, look, we've got to at least, we got to at least serve like Snicker bars or something. You know, our customers are up in arms. And, uh, you know, Keller famously said, not just no, but hell no. Do you have any idea how much it costs to fly, you know, millions of pounds of Snicker bars around the country on our airplanes? We're not going right. to do it because then we cannot be Southwest Airlines and we cannot hew to what, you know, what our, what our promise is, which is to democratize the skies, which is right. to compete with air, you know, you know, as an air, as an air carrier with trains and buses and um, automobiles, we're not competing with, with United and American and TWA and Continental, whoever was in flying back then, they're, most mm -hmm. of them are gone. Um, but, uh, you know, we're competing with, uh, with, a, with a bus ride across the country. So no, we're not going to do that because that's not, uh, that's not who we are. So yeah, a brand uh, becomes just as much about what you say no to as what you say yes to. And that, you know, sometimes that, you know, that's going to be at the CEO seat to make those tough calls.
you know, and, and I mean, there's so many things to dive in. I'm so glad we're able to have this, this conversation. You said something earlier about really in, in step one, that brain trust gets together and starts thinking about what makes us unique. I've seen this on forums, different places, and so many people, I, I, I've done this too. You, they pay like lip service to the idea of unique. They oh well, we're easy to use. Like, like, is that unique? Are other people easy to use too? Can you talk to me about like what actually is the unique that you're looking for? Yeah, it's that's that's hard because yeah. unique unique by definition is uh, I'm the only one, right? Right. The, the no one is like this. No one right. is this. Right. That's a that is a that is a high hurdle to jump over as a business because there are always imitators. There are always you know, like organizations. And, and even in those cases when you are the first and only in a year, if you're successful, there'll be two or three more just like you, right? Right. You know, I just bought a, I, I, you know, I just bought a Dyson vacuum. I'm like, okay, this is really a, you know, this like nobody makes a Dyson, but Dyson. Yeah, but then I go to my brother-in-law's uh, condo for, you know, for an overnight and he's got something in the closet that's got another name on it. And it's just like, it's got the same, you know, all the same features and just a different color and a little different shape. So mm -hmm. if you are, you know, if you, if you are successful as a company, you will have imitators. And so right. unique is a high bar to jump over, but that is the point. That is really the point of this. And, and it's not easy. So Casey, what we do in our, in our, in our discipline, in our brand navigator discipline that, that you mentioned earlier is we look at all the attributes of the company. And then we put them through a filter that we call the, the USA filter. USA stands for unique and sustainable competitive advantage. So unique, what is the domain uh, that is most unique or domains attributes that are most unique, most differentiating about your company, yeah. your product, your service? Um, what is sustainable? What is the area in which you have leadership and differentiation in which you can sustain. So, um, you know. Uh, oh, I get you. I get you. Like you have someone on the team that's really good at X, Y, and Z, but if they leave, does that mean your uniqueness is correct, just gone? Correct. Yeah. And can you sustain it? Can you sustain leadership? So let's think yeah. about, let's think about, um, let's think about technology as a differentiating point. Let's say you're, I don't know, you're a bank. Yeah. And what you, what you think is your most differentiating uh, thing is your is your special technology is money you're like no everyone's got it it's not money it's not your it's not your it's not your free right. checking right it's not your You're cd like rights the, that's like a commodity tech yeah. right but let's say we think we've built the best technology well the challenge with that is that you know technology is something that is often going to the highest bidder right some other body or bank can come in and and, and spend more you know be hungrier uh, capitalize more, better whatever have, have the next have better day. technology yeah. so that's so it's hard to maintain or sustain as like a defend it right better like defending your right. position yeah okay you're defending and so if you're going to build your brand on it casey you want to be able to know that you can maintain and sustain leadership that can't be taken away from you by somebody who's hungrier, richer, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a faster, better capitalized. And then finally, so those two domains, uh, unique and sustainable, are really domains that 
that lie within the organization or within, within the product. And the, the third that I mentioned is a competitive advantage, which we could also just call a reason to do business with. Like, mm -hmm. okay, so now this is the external domain, the, uh, the, the customer domain, right? What do they want? So if we're like really enthralled with our, our customer service and our phone answering capability, for instance, uh, we go through this whole exercise. It's like, well, we answer the phone with a real human by the third ring. Well, that actually would be a differentiator today, wouldn't it? For many companies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. then let's go check out with the let's go check out with the um, with the market. What does the market want and expect? Well, we find out that they want us to answer the phone before it rings. Hmm. Okay, now so that's not a brand attribute, right? It's not a USA. We're not going to yeah. build our brand on that. They'll find something else. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this notion of this notion of unique is important, but we, you know, we 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 create some higher hurdles by also saying, look, it also has to pass these other filters or pass these other bars. Which not only must it be unique, it must be sustainable. We can maintain that uniqueness and that leadership in the market, and it must be a reason to do business with. Or it's really a so what. You know, it's just a copy point. Interesting. Right. And what we find is um, that every organization has, has a lot of copy points, right? Every product, every service, every company has a lot of copy points. Mm. But all those, you know, all those sales arguments and, you know, copy points you put in your marketing piece and your website are, are really just supporting and buttressing what your, what your core is and what you're going to hang your hat on, which is your, your, your brand DNA. So right. we're always looking for, and when we're, when we're building the, the strategy, when we're building the, the, the core engine for brand leadership, we're looking for those USAs or that USA. One thing that you'll find it often in going through this exercise, if you will, is that, you know, hey, we're, you know, really, if, we, if, we, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're 75% of that. Okay, cool. Well, if that's your most differentiating thing and you're 75% of it, okay, what can you do to get to 85, 95%? Mm. Now, so if we have to, we're going to climb it and we're going to lean into it. But now you can see how brand becomes a leadership mm. uh, principle, right? Because we're not there yet. So we have a, we have a client that is a, an HBCU. And, uh, and historically black college and university who, when we did this work for them, they're like, well, we found out what our unique attributes are and we found out what our market, our, our alumni, our prospective students, our student body really value. But when we put it all together, uh, there's not any there there, right? We're not, we're not it yet. Yeah. So, to the, you know, to the, to the, uh, you know, to the benefit, you know, really I've often given lots of kudos to this president who said, okay, I get it. I see where we have to go. Mm. I see where the puck is going to be. You know, it's over there. We yeah. need to skate over there where that puck is going to be. And indeed uh, he did. He, he organized his cabin and he organized the, the communication. He organized the, the impetus around not we are this today, but we are becoming this. Gotcha. And we will become this. And they did. And they, within the next couple of years, they saw the, the, the enrollments uh, inflect up 
for the first time in a decade, their enrollment started growing. Uh -huh. The uh, average GPA of their entering students inflected up. They received a million dollar uh, grant to help create an institute. And they received another million dollar grant to create um, housing. And so they got this fabulous upward spiral going built on this unique identity. They even got the attention. This was this was some years ago because Obama was in the White House. They got the attention of the Obama White House, who sent one of his emissaries down here. And he said, this is what HBCUs need to be doing. They need to be carving out a unique, differentiated, differentiated identity. They need mm -hmm. to be executing against that identity, and they need to be using that as a marketing uh, you know, lever or principle or magnet, right? So, yeah. so, so when, we, when we do this well and when we think about brand as a leadership discipline, we can also recognize that it's okay if we're not all there yet, right? Because, you know, a brand is kind of like that. To me, it's like a garden. It's like your yard. Like, are you ever done with your yard? No. Landscaping your yard? No. Ah, I got a plan. I kind of put the bones in, you know. That freaking like, grass grows back every time. I know. I know. Year after year after year, I keep grooming and manicuring and developing and, and shaping and, you know, fertilizing and nurturing. That's your brand. Yeah. That's your brand. And if it's not growing, that's also a problem. So you don't like that's right. You got some diagnosis to do now. There must be yeah. some, must be some moles, you know, eating right. the roots or some grubs in the grass or something. Something's going on. Some, some creatures are eating your, eating your yard. So <laughs> that's great. I, you, you answered really a question before I could even ask it about the, the ongoing development, the point, the flag, or, you know, yeah. point the finger, we're going here. This is a home that's run. Right. It's, it's happening. So I, I love that you can do that. And that's where the leadership comes in. You know, I, I'm even challenged though, thinking about, man, how do you pick, you know, USA, great, great guiding acronym, but do you just start brainstorming and have you from seeing all the, the ones that end up being unique? Have, have you figured out a certain list of like, I don't know, 15 of them that always tend to be like the thing, or yeah, is it just question. more nuanced than that? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, really, it depends so much on the entity. And, you know, we work um, we, we work across many different industries. Um, yeah. In terms of the industries that we address, we're, we're more generalized. We have a specialized service, but we address many industries. Yeah, so, mm. some organizations will be really deep in one industry. So they, you know, they've got all these patterns and they might be able to answer that question a little better. Yeah. Right. You know, within higher ed or within banking or within certain industry, you know, it comes down to, it comes down to these few things, but what um, I think the answer to your question is really, um, really lies in the, in the diversity and the, um, the creativity of, of businesses in, you know, in, in the U S our, our work is, is U S based, but, you know, we can say in the world. Um, yeah. So, so really the answer uh, the times there's, there's, there's not any, there are no pat answers. Um, uh, the, the answers are as, as diverse and unique as, as businesses are, as products are. Um, I will say this, you know, we, we find that there are some, uh, there, there are some, there are some patterns against which organizations can, can think about branding, you know, it might be uh, it might be a pro might be process, um, you know. Often, you know, often the often it's, it's the unique process that an organization has. It's really the core of the brand. Um, it might be some product attributes. Mm. 
you know, we think, well, let's think about Volvo and safety, you know, right. Volvo really, you know, look, if you, if you look at the uh, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration data, uh, Mercedes is just as safe as a Volvo. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. Or a Subaru, yeah. right? Yeah, or Subaru. I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, side impacts, front impacts, all this stuff, you know, they're, right. they're, they're all about the same in terms of safety, but, yeah. you know, but, but Subaru has a different a brand focus and Mercedes has a different brand focus and BMW has a different brand focus. Hundred percent. Right? You don't buy focus, a Mercedes right? for safety. Right. You don't buy a Mercedes yeah. for safety. It's nice that it's a safe car. It's nice. It's got all these safe it's got all the safety features. But the 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 brand is delivering different emotional benefits. Yeah. And and uh, and so so yeah a process maybe product attributes um you know, maybe maybe people or service. You know, we've been successful with um, with with certain service organizations. Um, you know, keying in on the on their on their on the dimensions of their service, which is really rooted in their team and their culture. And I'm eager to talk to you about the intersection of brand and culture because I think that's just a just a really powerful uh, frame for people to understand and to and to activate. Yeah, uh, to turn their brand into a competitive weapon, particularly in service businesses. Um, uh, Denise, Zo, I want to say, has written a book in the last couple of years that describes. I think she's got eight or nine different kind of frameworks. What's her name? For brands. Denise. Um, Denise Zoe. Uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to come back to that. Um, yeah, no, we'll say yo, we're young. Um, and the name, like the name of the book escapes me right now, but the, but we can put it in that. We can get, I'll look it up and we can get, yeah, it we'll put it in, we can the, get notes. It in the show notes. Okay. Because yeah. she's done, she's done a really nice job of, um, of evaluating and and essentially identifying some some patterns that uh, brand strategists are able to use to think about different ways of of framing their brand and, and building their brand. Mm -hmm. uh, Denise Lee Young. Denise Lee Young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank okay. You. Yeah. Denise Lee Young. Um, yes. And she's done she's done a really nice job with that recent book. I think she published that within the last couple of years of identifying and it really kind of answers the question you were asking are there you know are there certain dimensions got it so, so denise has some dimensions we can look at yeah she does she's got a that's she's got a really great. she's got a nice study on that oh that's great um well i before i love to get to culture next but before we do that one more question um the idea of you know we maybe learn from denise and some of the things you've just described in terms of the the uniques, sustainable ones, but then right. it's time to talk advantage. We're about, we're, you said you were creating hypotheses and hypothesi. Yes. We're going, we're testing them against the market. Yes. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you test them against the market? And I'm going to say that I understand that there's a whole study to it, but you had one or two tips in terms of how you ratify that there is a market need or desire for all the crazy shit you just came up with, right? Like, right. and you have to bounce it off these people. How do you present, yeah, yeah. present it to them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, in our practice, um, it's, 
it distills down to a, primarily a, a couple of approaches. Uh, we, you know, we use, um, I, I call them focus conversations. They're focus groups of one. And these are, these are fairly short conversations, usually 20 minutes, usually mm -hmm. schedule 20 minutes. They might run to run to 30, but okay. in, in a guided conversation with people that are knowledgeable about the brand and the company, the product or service, often their customers, or I call them uh, meta observers. They, they, they would be people that are knowledgeable about that industry landscape. You know, if it's, if it's banking, if it's a bank, then a meta observer could be the uh, executive director of the state banking association or the national mm -hmm. banking association. It could be the editor of a, of a banking uh, publication or even, you know, maybe a business publication. So these are people that are looking at the whole landscape and really see how this particular product, uh, you know, customer or company fits into the landscape. And yeah. then, um, and then, and then customers are important because they're going to help us answer the question is, are these hypotheses true in their experience and are they meaningful in their experience? So, um, is it resonant and relevant? Now we can also test this with people who are not customers. In some cases, people who were prospective customers but chose to go somewhere else. So sometimes we will look at, um, a, you know, let's say a, a, a subset of, of lost deals, okay? Mm -hmm. Hey, these are people that, that interviewed with us over the last year, but they went to one of our competitors. Okay, well, let's do, so we do this, we do this compare contrast and we've got a, we have a, um, we have a, 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 a focused conversation instrument. So we have a consistent conversation guide that mm. we're going through. You have, a, you have like a script. Uh, yeah, we have a script. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, so it's the it's same just questions. Like, yeah. Just like, yeah. A, just like a focus group moderator would have a script. Let's say you're mm, doing two right. or three or four focus groups. You, you ask the same questions to all the groups, right? So right. that you get, so that's what we're doing with these um, with these focus conversations. And there's a tremendous amount of, of juice that comes out of these. Now, these are very qualitative. Um, you know, it's not it's not a statistically uh, projectable study. Right. Though, Casey, this is interesting about market research. Just a little, little digression. Um, I, I saw a study that was published by uh, an academic who found that if you had a sample size of 30, you had essentially a large enough sample that would be equivalent to 100, 400, 1,000 in terms of its projectability, which kind of surprised me because I'd always seen the, the data that said, you know, your, your standard devi deviations of a sample of, of 100 or, you know, X amount, you know, confidence level of plus or minus 7%, all this stuff that you see that come, that, that come out around surveys. So I was a little bit surprised by that. And then I compared it to our own experience. And I looked back at dozens of studies we'd completed. And I found that when we had 15, 20, 30 one-to-one -one conversations, the, the major themes were always consistent with our 100, 200, 400 mm -hmm. sample size internet surveys. So that takes us to the second type of validation instrument that, that we use. And that, that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's a standard statistical survey. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you know, these were done with phone surveys. Now they're largely done with, uh, with internet tools. 
and uh, you know, Survey Gizmo, Survey um, Survey Monkey, any of, yeah. any of these kind of tools are going to work. And so here we will um, through through an internet a tool, we will survey uh, again customers, sometimes not just customers, but individuals within a marketplace. Sure. The, stud the study is designed to help us get to the answers we're trying to get. One of my mantras, Casey, is you can't get the right answers if you're asking the wrong questions. True. So, and right, true, right? Corollary to that, right. I'm the wrong people. Yeah. So, um, uh, so uh, an internet survey, and these are, these are the two of the primary tools that we use. And, and typically, we like to use those in combination because we want to have one statistical set of data and we want to have one set of data that's qualitative in nature. What really, what really helps the brand planners is that the statistical data gives you some sense of confidence. You're going to spend, you know, thousands to millions of dollars executing this brand strategy over the next two, five, 10 years, right? 100%. Really, you want, to, you want a strategy that's going to carry you for a decade, you know, longer. <clears throat> um, so you're going to spend a lot of money. Well, let's, right. get, let's get the confidence that these investments are smart investments are going to take us where we, where we want to go. So yeah. we get the statistical data that gives that confidence that if we make these investments in this brand in this way, we can be successful with it. And then the qualitative uh, produces a tremendous amount of juice for the, the narratives and the nuance. So we really love combining these two, the qualitative and the quantitative, because those, those, um, those, uh, those, those interviews always produce you know, really evocative, provocative, insightful, um, you know, persuasive language. I think about one of the banks that we, we, we worked for and built, built one of these brand strategies for. And the, um, one, of our, one of our tools in our system is the brand principle. It's really the rallying cry for the organization. What's the core ideology of our brand and what do we want our own people to really grasp and you know charge forward now, if the ceo's meeting everybody at the front door as they file in he's you know patting them on the back you know if that's yeah. even, no if that's even okay anymore to, to touch people he's you know he's, he's he or she is rallying the troops with this yeah. this mantra that's the brand principle and in one of the um in one of the banks that we developed the system for uh one of the uh interviewees said, you know, what really works about this bank, what differentiates them is it doesn't matter what kind of challenge I'm up against. I can come into the bank, sit down, pull up a chair. They're going to roll up their sleeves and, and, and really solve this problem for me. I know we're going to get to, we're going to get to yes, we're going to get to a solution. So the mantra of pull up a chair became the rallying cry. Yeah. Now, now what, now, what, Love that. what CEO or CMO or brand consultant sitting around would have said, hey, our brand principle is going to be pull up a chair. So what? Uh, what does that mean? Well, this is, you know, this is an idea that came out of the mouth of one of their customers that resonated within the bank. It's like, yeah, that's how we work. Yeah. You know, that's how we work. And now that is, their, that is their, uh, one of their brand mantras. And when you go, you go around the bank, you can, you'll hear some, you'll hear people say, you know, hey, just come in, pull up a chair. Look, we can solve this. You just, just sit, sit down and pull up a chair. We'll get it done. Um, so it becomes part of the language, right? It becomes part of the self-talk. And um, 
So anyway, I'm kind of digressing now. Your question was no, but no. what sort of tools yeah. do you use to help give you confidence and validate? Those are good ones. You know, there's all kinds of market research that can be that can be done that can be, you know, fancier if you so desire. Um, but these these two tools work really well, uh, you know, day in, day out in terms of uh, testing those hypotheses and validating them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like, like I said before, you might, you might find something you thought would work, but you end up throwing them out because they're just not that important or right. they're not true. You know, uh, okay. All the CEOs think it's this, all the, all the, all the C-level execs think it's this, but you really get in there and, and, and the customer's like, well, that's not really the way I experienced this organization. All right, well, <laughs> if we try to go to market with that and try to brand that, we're probably going to fall on our foot on our face because the market is going to say that's BS. That's not true. Mm. I don't experience it that way. So, you know, let's like let's not make a mistake and try to build it on something that's that's not really true, not meaningful, not valid. We have found in very few instances that the leadership team doesn't have a really close uh, thumb on it. Casey doesn't really closely understand their their core and their core value proposition. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I felt well, maybe, maybe once or twice in our whole career, we found that, well, that, there were some notions in here that were really kind of off, off base. And yeah, and I, I do wonder though, I, I've seen some really crazy companies. So I do wonder if, uh, if that evidence is self-selected because they're smart enough to work with you, they're probably <laughs> smart so. enough to know that yeah. you should, yeah. I'm sure there's some pretty dumb companies out there that, uh, they they think that uh, I mean bang I mean thank you bring up what a great story about the chair because otherwise what differentiates you I mean it's just another place to pay an ATM fee after all one of the most commoditized uh, businesses in in the world yeah, yeah. Um, but they're you know banks are service organizations if you really think about it at the end of the day there it's 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 not that much about the financial services yeah that's the product right but. There's nothing differentiate. There, there's, there's zero differentiating in the product. Yeah. And the, and, and the differentiators are generally how it's delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that becomes people and culture and, totally. and service, right? Totally get that. It reminds me of me trying to call the bank to have with my, uh, my business and God, I can't get a hold of them. I fill out forms, trying to open a new account, fill out, Fill out yeah. things. We have to, we have to start a smoke signal to get your attention. Yeah. Uh, email, you know. I finally just have to call the place, and I go down there to get an appointment. And the person I had an appointment with is out on vacation that day. I'm like, well, then how did I get an appointment? Great. Right. Yeah. So, and then you contrast that with pull up a chair. Or I remember the old days of like, like Charles Schwab was like, talk to Chuck. Right. You know, right. Yeah. It sounded yeah. kind of tongue in cheek, but the whole point was call them yeah, they're not a personal relationship with you yeah, yeah yeah and you do you call them and they're like yeah hey what's up how right. you doing they're not right. in a rush they're, oh i'm in colorado nice to meet yeah. you like no rush to get you off the phone and i could see that was a real different to you know to the bank that was trying to chase you off and reduce right. costs yeah yeah you know think about I, I like to think about southwest airlines now when i think mm-hmm. about brands uh because you know southwest really built a great brand as a as a discount carrier as a, as yeah. a carrier and um you know, if if you've if you've shopped for airfares, you, you know that Southwest is no longer the cheapest uh, air carrier available. Right, like Spirit, fact, I think, is like the way cheaper one now. Yeah, like Allegiant Spirits is some yeah. way way cheaper discounters, and yeah. um, 
and um, many of the legacy carriers like American, Delta, United, you know, they'll often have cheaper fares oh, yeah. than, than Southwest. So Southwest really isn't, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. call Southwest a discount airline anymore. So, yeah, like, what would you call them? I don't know. It's like it's mainstream. But what like, what differentiates Southwest? It's not, right. it's not low prices, which is what they, what they built their business on initially. What differentiates Southwest is the experience you have mm. flying and the, the, the demeanor and the interactions that you have with their people and the, right. the spirit, you know, the spirit of the place, right? right. And, and, um, and, you know, hey, some people probably don't really go for that. That's, I mean, you know, brands are different strokes for different folks, right? Not, not every brand is for everyone. If, right. if it were, then it wouldn't be a brand. Right. Um, but if you, you know, if, if you think about how the Southwest Airlines brand has evolved, you'll recognize that it's, you know, it's kind of, it's moved along a trajectory as the business has done so. And so the brand still serves the, uh, still serves the organization, still serves its customers because it does help us understand what this entity is and how it's different and how we can relate to it. It also, yeah. I think, Casey, it brings, you know, it, to me, it brings up the, the, the point that I think is, is really valid to make. And that's it, a good way to understand a brand, I think, is the brand is, is the emotional connective tissue between the, between the thing and its customers, between the, the company mm-hmm. or the product or service and its customers. And, and as a result of that, you know, we really, need, we really need to think about brand leadership as developing stronger emotional connectivity to our customers. Yeah. And again, this is where I believe that the, the, the value derived from, from brand development is in, is in brand leadership and is in, in cultural development and service development. We, we, we codified this into our little phrase of live your brand. You know, we, mm. we really think that at the end of the day, what the, the, what the brand leadership organization is really focused on is living our brand which really means everything we do is, a, is an expression of our brand, right? It's not, and this kind of takes me back to my initial premise, my myth buster premise that you, you started us with. Um, you know, brand, uh, you know, branding is not the logo or the name or the, or the ads or the, or the, or the website or the visual graphic standards, all these things that we often, you know, hear, you know, when people talk about branding, they're often talking about those things. It's yeah. not that it's, you know, it's everything, it's everything your organization does, right? Yeah. It's just constantly, you know, every organization is constantly sending off signals. Right, right. It's just like us as humans. Like say 70% of our communication is nonverbal communication, mm. right? So same thing with brands. You know, 70% of it is not the, all the planned stuff. It's yeah, not, all the marketing, all the, right. all the what stuff you that goes through all the, like all the approvals, you know, right? All the carefully checked and approved and, you know, sanitized and refined, you know, that is not what is building your brand so much yeah. as what your customer service agent said to me on the phone just now. Right. Or how you s- set up and signed off your email communication. You know, it's just, you know, all, like all these things are just constant little micro signals right. of, the, of the brand. And they're all, 
they're all being expressed from the culture and the training and the spirit of the place. So the brand leader and the live your brand organization is intentional about shaping that, right? Guiding that, shaping that. Right. And this is where it has to be, to your point, bigger than the marketing department. Because when I went into that bank for my appointment that I had formally booked an appointment with this person and they're not there, not because they're sick, but because they had planned to not be there. I'm just thinking, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's a disconnect. And marketing has no control over that. That's operational. That's that's some other thing. Marketing can't control everything. It has to be every department living their brand, knowing that they all matter. They're all spokespeople. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that becomes... That becomes a matter of the, the, the value system of the organization. Right. Um, uh, you know, training, communication. I think, it, I think at some point we're going we're gonna to be able to get into some of that a little bit because um, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Again. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay, let's get into that. Yeah, great. So let's go there. So, um, so yeah, I want to, Casey, I want to talk about the uh, the nexus of, of brand and culture. We've, we've built a lot of, uh, of, of thought around this and, and capability around this yeah. because we've, we have found that it is so vital to building a, a, a really effective and differentiated um, you know, brand, brand strategy. Um, you know what uh, you know what ultimately, is going to influence the organization to treat you differently than it did. Right. right. You had a you you had a deleterious brand experience. The brand experience you had took a deposit out of the emotional bank account. And 100%. if you give enough of those to Casey, he will leave. Yeah. He will go find someone who will treat him better. Totally. Now, you know, uh You'll do that with cars, with coffee shops, with restaurants, with hospitals, just anywhere. Okay. And it doesn't matter if I run a million dollars worth of ads at you. Right. If I bombard you with 10,000 Twitter posts and Instagram posts, you know, all heavily curated and, 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 and specially prepared by my, by my most genius art directors and designers and copyrights, doesn't matter. You're going to leave. Yeah. You're going to leave. So what does the brand leader do to help make sure Casey has a great experience every time he encounters the bank? I would, I would, I would offer that the brand leader builds a powerful culture driven by core values that are, that are anchored in the brand. And, and, and we, we spend as much time and money influencing our own people and developing them, you know, culturally and, and value-wise, not just training, not like, not just skills training and not, um, not through edicts and, you know, compliance, but sticks, through winning their, you know? yeah, yeah. Not, with carrots, not sticks, well, through winning their hearts and minds, uh, uh, th- through, through enrolling them in this common enterprise that is our business. and. Uh, you know, in, enlivening the spirit of the place and the culture of the place so that, uh, Casey, that cannot happen. Yeah. Like in a well, like in a, a well-branded bank that's living its brand, that, 
it's hard to say it can't happen. It's just so much less likely to happen. Yeah. Right? It's just not likely because this is an organization in which every individual is passionately devoted to the customer. Yeah, experience. they're all in. They're all of them are on board all in. Yeah. We want our customers to love us. We know what drives customer love. And we and, and we exude that. We exhibit that. And that comes through in our emails, it comes through mm-hmm. in our phone greetings, it comes through in how our you know, it comes through in how our, our technology platform is configured. Mm-hmm. So that if somebody sets up an appointment by gosh, they have somebody there to meet them. Right. And so, you know, so what, so what would happen in a, in a live your brand organization? Well, if, if that sort of a, a disconnect did happen, there would at least be some kind of a recovery mechanism. Right. And there'd be like a plan B mechanism. So what, um, what, uh, what we see is really critically important is that uh, brand living companies develop a system of, of mantras. Um, mm. We, in our brand navigator, we use the brand purpose. We use the brand principle, the purpose. Why do we exist? Why are we here? Look, it's not just to make money. Yes, every business has to make money in order to be stay in business, but we exist here for some higher purpose. Um, right? We we're not just here, you know, we, we exist here to create some value in the world, to make a difference. You know, so so we gotta be clear about what that unique purpose is. The brand principle, we've talked a little bit about that. That's the rallying cry. That's our true north. You know, that's 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 our that's our that's our guide star, right? So that brand principle. Um you know, brand personality, we, you know, we, we think about, we think about brands like humans, brands have personalities just like humans do, yeah. you know, and, and it needs, you know, your brand needs to have a, a narrowly bounded set of personality traits. You know, you can fall, you know, we all sort of act outside of our core personality sometimes, right. but by and large, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're true to, we're true to form. So, sure. uh, you know, personality traits. So the, the brand expresses itself in certain ways. Um, core uh, brand values or core values, yeah. you know, so many companies for many years have, you know, f- focused on mission, vision, and values. And mm-hmm. what, what we, what we want to do in developing brand leadership is align our core values with our brand so that, mm-hmm. so that these serve each other. Right. And then the core values become incredibly uh, powerful uh, resources and tools for helping to shape Right. The they have a purpose. They have a pr- yeah. There's a, there's a reason for it. Yeah. 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 There's they, a reason they, for they it. They have a positive impact on the on the yeah. company, yeah. Yeah. logically and emotionally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Think about your own service. Your your think about your own self. Um, yeah. You know, we humans rarely, if ever, act outside of our core values. You know, mm-hmm. if your if if your value is stealing is wrong, you mm-hmm. don't steal. Right. You know. Like you don't, you know, you don't pick up $10 on the sidewalk and put it in your pocket. You try to find the, the, the even, you know, that's not stealing really. That's finding something. But, you know, if it, the stronger your values are, the more you adhere to certain behaviors. So we all act out of our behaviors and organizations that have powerful, clearly defined and regularly reinforced value systems have humans yeah. <laughs> that act out of those value systems. So when I'm part of this organization, I am going to act on those values. I am going to act in certain ways. Um, right. So, so uh, you know, so core values, another, another, um, another internal and external tool that's 
is quite helpful is that we call it the brand story, the creation myth. It's yeah. really a, it's really a little story that uh, that 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 codifies, kind of codifies and illustrates these other dimensions. It, it's when I draw these, I I stack them all up on a in a in a tier like in a pyramid, and then I have an umbrella over the top of it that is the brand story. So the brand story is kind of this overarching uh, tool that you know that that helps explain us. Helps I love this, man. Yeah, absolutely love this. And, yeah. and then all of this tells me like, what if that bank I'd walked into was a pull up the chair bank, and then yeah, as, <laughs> with the CEO brain, you're thinking, okay. Well, that means every department knows that we're all about pulling up the chair, which means IT. Let's make sure that if someone's on vacation, we're digitally covering their back on any of the chair appointments. And let's track and measure those appointments. And yes. when they when they come in, they will have all the signs. But even if you didn't have signs, you know what's interesting is the person, I was like, where's so-and-so? And I think it was actually the bank manager was like, oh, they're on vacation, right? Well, this wasn't a pull-up chair event, but if it was, the person would be like, hey, then pull up a chair. Then I'll, I'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what are you here for? You had an appointment with Martin? Oh, Martin's out on vacation. I'm sorry about that. Sit what can I help pull you with? I got you. What are you here for? Yeah, I'll, I'll people take fighting care. over you. I, know, exactly. I got you. I got you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're, all, we're all trying yeah. to pull up a chair. Yeah. You know, they yeah. all come yeah. on yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's an organization. Yeah, that, 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 that would be an organization living its brand and, and yeah, and and living out that core value of, uh, you know, however we state it, you know, pull up a chair or serve, you know, you know, be a servant leader or you know, yeah. heart heart first, feet second, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of, you know, there's just there's just a a million different ways of describing these uniques and bringing them to life. What what I like to think about, Casey, is that these um these little narratives that I just described or these mantras uh, to me are like the facets of a gemstone. Mm. So if your brand were the gemstone, then, then this brand purpose, brand principle, brand personality, core value, story, these, 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 these tools or these instruments are really the facets. And so you could walk you could go around that gemstone and, and peer into it from these different faces. You're looking at the same thing. You're just bring, you're just looking at it from a little different perspective, yeah. and and the result of these different perspectives is is that they can be useful to the brand leader in different ways, you know. So some of these, um, again, if I had my little picture here, I would I would also have some arrows pointing, you know, <laughs> internally and externally off of off of off of these brand frames, like um, the brand story. Well, the brand story can be used internally and externally. The brand sure. principle. We mostly use that internally. Sometimes it kind of leaks out externally, but it's right. really mostly about our employees and about giving them a North Star. Uh, you know, brand personality is going to be mostly pointed outward. No, it can, you know, it can, it can point it out. It, you know, it's, it's going to work okay with the employees, but really brand personality is mostly about conveying your, you know, yourself to your, to your publics, to your customers. Right. So, um, so these, you know the, these 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 facets of this gemstone or these these dimensions of this this brand um, are are useful in in multiple ways with multiple audiences. Yeah, love that, dude. Yeah. The, the, you are just you know to be able to sit down with you just for a little bit of time. Amazing. My next question really is like, who are you? Who are you? How do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time to like 
little Martin Taze, did you know that you were destined to be the absolute wizard of all things brand and living your brand? Or what was it like? Far from it. I, I'm a, I have a friend who wrote a book called, um, I can't remember what she titled. Uh, she's, she's actually a really smart uh, brand uh, strategist in uh, Seattle, uh, Lynn Parker. She wrote a book called um, The Accidental Entrepreneur or The Reluctant Entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've, I've often thought that that described me quite well because you know, growing up, I had, I will say, Casey, I, you know, far from it, probably the polar opposite of what you described in, in that sure. this would be my, my, you know, my, my burning passion to, you know, grow up and, and be this and do this. Um, you know, in, uh, uh, by the time I got to college, I was kind of, where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up in Arkansas or? Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. Northwest Arkansas, you know, it's funny, a uh, little farm, little gentleman's farm out uh, out west of town, about uh, 15, 16 miles. And uh, my mom was the daughter of a farmer, so she really thought it was important for her kids to grow up on a farm where there'd be pigs and chickens and horses and cows and sure. and, uh, and a big garden. So, you know, we grew up, we grew up, you know, working pretty hard in the garden and getting up at 5 a.m. to milk cows and then drive into town for 6 a.m. swim practice. And, Dang. I think, I think that, I think that farm, uh, you know, being reared on a farm is good for a kid. It de- definitely teaches them a work ethic. Every every kid, every kid should grow up on a farm, regardless of whether they ever become a farmer or something else. But um, but uh, yeah, so so we grew up out there. My mom was a nurse and school teacher. My dad was a was a college uh, biochemistry professor. You know, by the time I got to college, Casey, I ended up in chemistry because it was easy for me. I I had a knack for it. Yeah. Uh, my big brother's a chemical engineer. My dad was a a chemistry professor, I guess I sort of had it in, in my genes, but, but I, I, I wasn't really enjoying the, the, I wasn't enjoying the material. I couldn't really envision myself being mm. a, um, you know, being a chemist, you know, like, what am I going to do with this chem- chemistry? <laughs> this was about the time that I, that I encountered Melissa, who's, who, who became my wife and, and uh, is my business partner at Toma Toma. Uh, and okay, this will, yeah. this will be the, this will be one of the early, um, influences that she's had on my life but i was talking with her about my um my disaffection with chemistry but i didn't really know what to do well what do you like to do well i like to write and i've gotten some uh, recognition for it she's like well you ought to come over to the journalism department because that's Mm. where people learn how to write and explore a career in writing so i followed her over to journalism and and then and and then the english department so i got a double degree in in journalism and, and English because I wanted I wanted to write. And ultimately that kind of led me into advertising copywriting after yeah, copywriting. working some newspapers. And I, I got into some ad agencies as a copywriter. And then we got to a certain point in our in our careers that um, Melissa was pregnant with our first child and, and she quit to become a freelance graphic designer. She built a little practice in that uh, design. And about a year and a half in or so, she was getting really busy. She had this baby <laughs> she was trying to care for. She was trying to run this freelance practice. I was moonlighting for her clients, writing. Wow. And, uh, and she's like, hey, Martin, I don't think I can keep doing this either. You should quit your job and join me in the practice. Yeah. Or I should probably just throw in the towel and, and just focus on this, on this kid. I was like, well, let's try it. And at that point, I quit my job. And we had a little, you know, a little creative firm, right? I'm a right. writer. She's a designer. Been more in business. And, uh, you know, Casey, we never really looked back from that. Wow. Man, 
it's it's crazy uh every now and then you, you go one direction and then man i'm so glad she was able to say hey you know chemical equations by the way my daughter <laughs> she's doing a workbook right now for summertime and she's going into sixth grade and they're having her do a little chemical equation i'm having to explain it to her thinking man i i didn't learn this when i was in sixth grade what's going on here but but man i, I love that you saw that we're like hmm something else here for me and then you sort of listened and of course your your wife sounded pretty convincing she got you over there to that that department i'm sure yeah never looked back yeah yeah it was it, it's been it's been a good, good been a good ride yeah so we started out um really as a, i'm going to say a boutique uh, design firm sure. but over time we recognized that we needed to differentiate because we needed to compete better against um you know, here we were two or three, maybe four person band yeah. by, by that yeah. time. And, and we were competing with um, agencies that were 20, 30, 50 people, you know, at the you know big, big shops. Um, sure. Uh, or, or uh, you know, other two and three man bands were like, you know, we, we've got to, like, what, what makes us tick? How are we different? Right. And so, you know, so our, our early work in figuring out how to develop brands was, was actually in the kind of in the, the laboratory or the sandbox of our own business. Mm. And um, so as we really took ourselves through that process of discernment, we recognized that, you know, one thing that over this, uh, we maybe been in business for five or 10 years at that point, what, what we realized is, you know, what we're, what we're actually really good at is finding the uniques in our clients, yeah. organizations, packaging that, codifying it and, and, and articulating, communicating it. And still at this point, we were really pretty much a creative shop. Sure. But as we went through that process of discernment, we, we recognized, well, you know, that's, that's actually brand work. So let's lean into that and figure out everything we possibly can about how brands tick. And then see if we can, you know, sort of reverse engineer that, you know, for, for our clients and build a, a methodology by which we can help our clients do the same thing you know, differentiate, mm -hmm. codify, cl cl clarify, and communicate. And that was the, that was really the early genesis of what ultimately became our, our brand navigator process. So as we developed it and leaned into it, Casey, and I think any organization will, will do this and will say the same, hey, you know, on day one, we weren't, we weren't all there. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Every business, I mean, you figured you're it out. Talking with so many, yeah. You're talking with so many entrepreneurs and leaders we're all we're all inventing it we're all creating it right. and it's never finished so that was the um that was kind of the evolution then we we really needed to to find our own unique and in doing so we recognized that well it's you know it's this it's this brand development and brand leadership and then in time we we really came to realize that the power of powerful brands lies not so much in their communications, not that it's not important, but it's not really the juice that drives mm. the brands to dominance, you know, predominance and dominance. It's actually uh, elsewhere. It's in the customer service. It's in the culture. It's in these, uh, it's in these, it's in these softer, more amorphous, but still manageable and influenceable aspects of the business that, um, that the, that that success lies. So let's lean into that. Let's help our clients. Let's help our clients 
figure out how to develop that. And it's, and it's really out of that understanding then that we've, we've continued to, you know, explore and develop and, and um, execute on, you know, uh, efforts like, hey, hey, let's build brand culture. Let's build, let's build brand councils of your, you know, with your employees. Let's build um, internal reward and recognition programs that align with your, with your brand and your culture. Yeah. Um, you know, let's infuse your customer experience with the essence of the brilliant. Let's, um, you know, let's, let's bake that into your sales process so that, <laughs> you know, we did all this work marketing the brand and getting people to sales. Let's make sure that the customers continue to experience the brand all the way through the sales process and then into service. So it's really quite a, you know, it's a whole ocean, you know, we can just wade into it or we can get out there and swim in it, or we can get a ocean liner and, you know, get out in the deep water. There's, yeah. you know, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, degrees to which an organization can can fruitfully explore this discipline, and, and the ocean as deep as it can go. At, right. But but deciding to go in it, I think, and you know, to your point about leadership, needing to decide we're going to go in this, and then this is going to this is going to be work that we're going to be continuing to add to for yeah. Yeah. every year, every year yeah. that we're here, and we're deciding yeah. to do this. It, it's yeah, not like absolutely. we're going to solve it this month. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Case. Yeah. So on that note of you know, the journey and the step and, and this amazing path that you followed, uh, who should be reaching out to you? Who are the right people? Uh, the fact that when you mentioned that you're going to help figure out the uniques, um, I was just like, here, take, take my checkbook because that part does seem daunting. And the idea of, you know, having the brains in there, having the brain trust, but also, not just the execs, but you know, a team like yours. Uh, who's the right size company yeah. type? Who yeah. should be reaching out yeah. to you? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, thanks for asking that. Yeah, um, we 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 generally work for um, you know ambitious, uh, aggressive, growth-oriented companies, right? To to yeah. make these investments, uh, you know, is you know, it's it's an investment, right? I mean, yeah. to do this well it's going to take some time and it's going to take some money. So uh, it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's going to take some right. investment on the part of the CEO and the C-suite. It's not a huge, you know, it's, it's, it's not debilitating, but right. like if the C-suite's not invested, if you're just going to say, Hey, marketing, it's your CMO, it's your deal. You know, you're not going to build one of these kinds of, no, really that not. we're describing really you know yeah. you're going to have you're going to have some nice programs and they're going to be you know they're, they're going to speak with a you know unified voice you're going to do a lot of really good work but you're not going to likely develop a, a brand leadership driven company because it takes the entire c-suite in the ceo so so companies that are really you know that that are really serious about growth and are, and are about you know really capturing claiming some you know significant market share gains that are that are that are interested in and willing to consider how could how could we use this discipline to inform our our culture mm. uh, you know casey um you know, we find with our clients that really eat all of the cooking they they transform their organizations it is a it, this is a transformational discipline it's cool i we just yeah. love it when we're getting to work with a company like that oh, yeah. um you know man you must have had shivers when, or you know tingles when you heard that uh pull up a chair thing finally materialized yeah yeah get that yeah. buy-in yeah yeah it's um it's it's tremendous so 
Um, you know, so so companies like that, as I mentioned, we're not. Um, you know, we're not niched in a particular category, though. Um, you know, I will say that you know we're you know we've got a lot of experience in financial services and healthcare. These are these are domains that this kind of work can be really um, important, very very differentiating. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of experience working with with companies that that deliver services uh, at the home. So that's a really uh, you know we have people calling on customers' homes. Mm. That's a pretty freaking important place to have so a good important. game, right? Man. A good game. You're knocking on my door. You're coming into my house. You're coming into my yard. Um, that's, uh, you know, so Man, you we know, help get, those companies get, my house get customers dirty. and keep companies. Yeah, yeah, get my house dirty at your own peril, you know? Yeah, right. All right. So those are, those are, yeah, yeah, yeah. those are good. Um, you know, we, uh, we work with companies all over the U.S. And um, the, you know, the, the larger footprint they have, the, the more we can help them. But, you know, our clients have, have been, you know, companies that serve a state, you know, or a region, as well as companies that serve uh, national, you know, national footprint or even international. Right. Uh, you know, I mentioned financial services, healthcare, fintech, financial services, technology right. uh, is another is another space that that we're really deep in. And you know, again, there's um, you know, there I believe there's no end and no limits to the type of organization that this discipline can apply well to and can, can make a difference because Casey, at the, at the end of the day, this entire discipline is simply rooted in human nature and, and how we're wired up as humans, as, a, as emotional beings. Yeah. You know, we, we make decisions with our emotions. We use our reason to justify the decisions that we've already made and, and customers, your customers, need your brand as much or more uh, than you do because brands save mental real estate. They help us decide. They help us align and affiliate. And so we, we as humans are simply wired for this. We need this. We do. So, so your customer needs your brand. And that, you know, really, that means that it, you know, not like nonprofits, for profits, big companies, little companies, everybody can be successful with this discipline if they're, you know, if they're interested and willing and committed to it. So good, man. So mm -hmm. good. Where, where, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about the company, your book, tell us where, where you're at. What, what kind of social well, you platform? Can, yeah, you can, you can always find me at, uh, at tomatoma.com. Okay. That's my last name twice. My last name and Melissa's last name, tomatoma.com. Uh, you can email me at martin at tomatoma.com okay. and, and, you know, and, and that, that website is probably a good jumping off point for, you know, for social media connections and, and other connections. Perfect. In the book, branding like, branding, the big boys. branding like the big boys. Yes. For sale on amazon.com. That's probably the best place to get it. And that brand navigator system, that's when they're, they're signing, they're working with you. That's, they're getting that's our consulting. That's our proprietary consulting um, awesome. process. That is about, you know, the, the, the end result of that is that this is brand strategy and these brand leadership frames that we spent so much time talking about today, Casey. You know, and that sounds like a, like a unique, sustainable advantage right there. That navigator. <laughs> so that sounds we, like. That's what we try to hang our hat on. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we, we, we feel like we're the only ones that do that particular thing. Yeah. No, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Um, Martin, thank you so much for coming on here. I have literally 
learned so much from you today. And I just, it's such a pleasure. I know we've chatted and, and if you look at the clock, the time is just warped by. No, time went fast. Yeah. Yeah. Time, time went fast today. Yeah. So thank you but so you're, much. You're a great interviewer, great questions. I appreciate the time and the invitation. I've, I've really enjoyed it, Casey. Thanks so Absolutely. much. And you know, for those listening, if you've learned something and I freaking know you have, because I literally have two pages of notes over here. I ran out of space on this paper. I don't know if you can see, like <laughs> I literally, I'm writing in the margins. I'm drawing pictures. I, um, I just learned so much. If the USA, you know, the, the USA acronym, the, the best brands use it to inform what they do. It's leadership, not marketing, the uniques, the, this navigator system, all these things. If you are listening to this and you learned one thing, share this episode with someone else, one person, nine people, 4,000 people. That's thought leadership, getting it into someone else's hands. Maybe you'll help their brand out big time by them listening to this thing. So again, Martin, thank you again for being on here. Delightful. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. This has been another really powerful, really awesome episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time.